Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Poor Richard's Cafe and Star Local Media. Poor Richard's Cafe, Plano's oldest restaurant since 1973. They are open daily from 5.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m., serving the three most important meals of the day, breakfast, lunch, and dessert. It is true Texas homestyle cooking made with love and grit at his Poor Richard's Cafe, located off of Avenue K in Plano. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch. I'm the sports editor at Star Local Media, and I am being joined by Brian Murphy and Taylor Raglin. Gentlemen, it is time for the high school baseball playoffs. The fields of 128 have been set, so let's break it all down, or at the very least, just the part that applies to our coverage area. <laughs> I shudder at the thought of how long it would take for us to go through the entire bracket. <laughs> so yeah, let's just focus on, um, as, we, as we did last week for softball, we'll just touch on our four core coverage regions, so regions 1 and 2 and 6A, regions 1 and 2 and 5A, and let's start as we will typically do over in region 1, 6A, and what has to be, I don't know, I haven't looked at the rest of the bracket, so I could be way off on I this. I don't even need to look at the rest of the I bracket. I defy anybody to name yeah. a more just daunting slate of bi-district matchups than districts 5-6A and 6-6A. Matchups that uh, it, it reminds me of, you know, like we had over the past few years in volleyball, back when you had Plano ISD, Allen, McKinney ISD all together in 6-6A, and they would run up against Louisville ISD and Southlake, Carroll and Byron Nelson in the first round. Matchups that, you know, were more befitting of a fourth or fifth yeah. round caliber, but you're getting those right out of the chute because, you know, proximity. I mean, even the baseball matchups last year with uh, 6-6A, the last iteration of 6-6A were good, but they weren't. They weren't this good, no, man. This, this is, is this is crazy. You got some heavyweights throwing down. So the matchups to uh, to give you all a, a rundown. You have um, number one seed Marcus out of uh, District Six Six A. They take on Byron Nelson. Uh, Flower Mound was the two seed in Six Six A. They draw Denton Geyer. Uh, Hebron, the three seed, they draw Keller. And we can start with this one because my jaw was on the floor when I saw that these two teams were squaring off in the first round. Capel and Southlake Carroll draw mm. each other in the first round. If Capel is the four seed... At that 10 and 4. Sh- that shows you just how great that district was. I mean, it, you look at both these districts, no, these eight teams, the worst team was 9 and 5. <laughs> And that was Byron Nelson. They were nine and five, good enough for fourth place and mm-hmm. five six A. Everybody else was ten and four or better. Hebron and Capel were both ten and four. Marcus is and Flower Mound are both twelve and two. And then Southlake. So you have, you know, thirteen and one Southlake and ten and four Capel in the first round. Yeah, Capel is uh not a team that's um I don't I can't even remember the last time they've ever been a four seed. This is a program that's made the playoffs now for what fifteen straight years. A mm-hmm. team that is annually has expectations of going to you know regional tournaments and beyond and whatnot. And they uh, that's the plight of being a four seed. Though is you get a district champion right out of the shoot. And Capel obviously you know had a say in its you know yeah. in where it finished. You know they did tie for Hebron. Uh, they did tie for third, I should say, with Hebron at ten and four. Um, and then they played a seeding game over the weekend, and that went horribly for Capel. <laughs> they lost fourteen well. to five. A season high and runs allowed mm-hmm. by the Cowboys and um, and that's the, and it wasn't a game where because you always wonder how teams are going to approach a, a seeding game you know how to what extent you're going to throw your uh, you know your pitchers and whatnot but they did uncork their uh, their core arms you know Elijah McCormick uh, Porter Hardcastle they all threw a little bit in that game so they didn't hold back you know they threw their horses out there there was just no slowing down those Hebron bats apparently and um, and as a result they uh, they draw a Southlake team that they saw earlier on in tournament play they played in March Southlake smoked them 12 to four but it's a tournament so you don't really yeah. Yeah. The context of those matchups is really, really wonky. Not exactly indicative of what will happen in a playoff series. But So just to kind of size up where this Capel team is at entering the playoffs, is we'll, um, me and Taylor are going to have to kind of do our makeshift Justin Thomas impression yeah. for this podcast with him being on vacation this week. So we'll try to uh, do due diligence and at least cover his litany of schools the best we can. Um, you know, Capel enters this game. There's, there's one type of game out there that Capel, for all of their greatness and all of their brilliance, there's one type of game where Capel has struggled this season, at least in district 
play. You look at that 10-4 and four record, all four of those losses have come in games where they scored three runs or less. Mm-hmm. So f- being able to find ways to, to scrape out a W on nights when the offense just isn't clicking, like that's proven troublesome for them. They're just 1-4 and four overall in district in games where they scored three runs or less. They got that one win against Irving, you know, 2-1. to one. Not, exactly an, uh, not exactly an opponent that'll be indicative of what you have in store with Southlake. And um, so that just really puts a, uh, that kind of lets you know what needs to work in Capel's favor for this series. They're going to need big games at the plate, you know, when you're, you know, from your usual stalwarts, guys like Hudson Polk and Walker Polk, Blake Jackson, Nick, you know, Vernars. I mean, guys that have been their linchpins, you know, just year in, year out. And, um, it's notable though because you know you look at their their struggles in in low scoring or games where their offense you know has trouble scoring. They're probably going to have to confront that at some point in this series because South Lake's pitching and defense is mm-hmm. lights out. That is their uh, that's their thing. So they uh, Capel enters this game on a uh, on a seven game winning streak. They have gone however nine straight games without multiple runs allowed. Yeah. So nine straight games of either allowing one or zero. If you can scratch across multiple runs against. Southlake, you've had an above-average performance as of late, it seems. Um, you know, guys like, you know, Cutter Sipple, Joe Steber among the names to watch for that uh, that Southlake pitching staff. Um, and you're drawing a Southlake team that is, I mean, they're the reigning state champions. Yep. Well, it's, the problem is they can hit a little bit, too. Because, yeah. I mean, you mentioned the, you know, the however many nine-trick games with, mm-hmm. with one or, or fewer runs. I mean, the last time they didn't, they won 5-2 and 8-6 against Byron Nelson in two games. So it's not like they it's not like they have to. That's just how they like to beat yeah. you. But, I mean, they, they can swing it, too, obviously. It is worth throwing out the caveat, though, that this is not the the state championship yeah. team. They did graduate a yeah. ton. I believe they only have... What, three returning starters. Yeah, three yeah. returning starters. So not exactly a team that's been through the fires of having won all those you know, rigorous playoff series last year, but nevertheless a program that has more than enough pedigree and is obviously playing in a, uh, in, in a very good way right now, just when you look at the caliber of the district and some of the teams that they've beaten en route to that seven-game winning streak. Um, Southlake is not to be trifled with, so it'll be interesting to see what is in store for, uh, for Capel this weekend. Um, ditto for a team like Marcus. Yeah. You know, we can look at the other 1-4 matchup in this by-district slate. Mm-hmm. Marcus draws a Byron Nelson team that uh, is no stranger to being a four-seed and no stranger to pulling an upset as a yep. four-seed. Yep, just did it last year against Allen. Yep. Um, just beat Far Round in a non-district game uh, not that long ago. April 19th, it looks like, Seven to two. Um, like I said earlier, nine and five. The worst, the worst, quote unquote, worst <laughs> team of, of these districts at nine and five in district play. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be a matchup for Marcus that's defined by you know by their stud by Blake Mayfield. I mean, they have Texas A&M signee, um, number one unquestioned on the hill, goes seven innings pretty much every time he, he rolls out there, um, hits in the middle of the order. So, you know, he's, they're going to go as he goes. That's usually how it how it works for Marcus. Not that they don't have talent. They're a perennial postseason program. They have talent coming through and, and kind of replenishing the stockpile a little bit every single year, but you know, it's 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 not a stretch to say that Blake Mayfield's going to define this series, oh, especially yeah. when you consider you know it's a three-game series starts at Marcus um, and then moves to Byron Nelson for games two and a potential game three. They get both of those on the road, so it's going to be even more important. I don't know if you know you you decide to throw Blake Mayfield uh, in the first game at Marcus mm-hmm. if you try to get um, you know a win without him uh, at home when you kind of have that kind of good feeling and, and good vibes starting the playoffs at home and then try to get him to win one on the road. Um, I don't know how you go about that, but you know the key for Marcus not that they can't come back and and win games two and three on the road even if they drop the first one at home, but I think it's going to be really critical for uh, for the Marauders to come out and and establish. Uh, their their presence early, I mm-hmm. guess, and and use that one home game to their advantage. Win it, kind of leave no doubt, preferably if you're them, and then go on the road and know that you got to split, and and that's much more doable than, you know, well, crap. We we know we're the better team, but we're down one. Anything can happen over these. So we have to win both of these, yeah. you know, and and that's a that's a situation you don't want to get into, but. You know, they, they earn the right, you know, just like Southlake and, and, you know, a bunch of other teams that, you know, you win the district even though you're 12-2. and two, um, You beat Flower Mound both times. I believe both were 2-1, to one, so you win a couple really hard-fought postseason games, really, in district play to, to kind of earn the right to be the number one seed, and that's what you do it for. Byron Nelson's no, no, uh, no easy task, I guess, but, you know, at least that... For Marcus, if you're Marcus, you're you're more comfortable going in as that number one seed and, and taking on, I mean, 
the the nine and five team, but they're all good, man. The margins are so tight. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned just the playoff info for that series. I forgot to mention what Capel and Southlake have. This is kind of an unorthodox yeah. uh, schedules that they have. So the Southlake uh, Capel series game one will be uh, Friday seven thirty um, at uh, at Southlake. Game two will be noon Saturday at Capel. And unlike you know when you hear traditionally if you play Saturday, okay, we're just going to play game three immediately afterwards. Mm-hmm. Nope. If there is a game three, that one's going to be seven o'clock Saturday night. So a nice little break for uh, for both teams, and it'll be at Dallas Baptist University. So the rare home home neutral site, uh, best of three series will be interesting to see how they approach uh, that. Just that awkward dynamic, if in fact you that uh, that third game is required. Um, let's see. Let's move on to uh, let's see the uh, the team that ousted Capel in that seeding game, uh, Hebron, which is the three seed. They uh, you know they finished ten and four in district play. They draw they draw I'm uh, not Capel, but they draw Keller <laughs> in a matchup that uh, that'd be something if they had to play Capel in the first round. <laughs> no, no, they just played Capel. They just smacked Capel around. Like I said, they won 14 to five in that seeding game. Left no doubt who was uh, I guess you know on uh, clicking a little bit better right who now. Who didn't want to play Southlake? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and you look at um, just kind of how that uh, how that win materialized for Heber, and it was uh, it was one that the uh, the long ball was very much in uh, in fashion in the, in that seeding game. Uh, Heber totaled four home runs in that win over Capel. You got Dalton Bama, Diego Johnson, Brayton Matthews, Trent McCown, all going yard off of the uh, the Cowboys. They had six players with at least two RBIs. So just a uh, an absolute just bloodletting by that Hebron offense, and that is nothing that has been out of character for them. They um, you know Hebron's riding a seven game winning streak, so they enter the playoffs on some pretty nice momentum themselves. However, you know a lot of those seven wins had come against teams that were out of the playoff chase. You know your Irving ISD schools and your Louisville's. So you know nothing that would uh, I guess you know nothing that would validate that momentum to the uh, to the tune of uh, of being able to nearly run rule a powerhouse program like Capel. You know Hebron's offense has averaged ten runs per game during that stretch. So to finally have a performance like that in a game where there was actually some, you know, right. modicum of stakes at, at play it was basically Meaning. it was more of a de facto playoff game and to be able to still maintain that, that same kind of consistency, a really promising sign for Hebron. Nevertheless, though, they draw a Keller team that has been in a great way in their own right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've scored at least 10 runs in four of their last five games. So offense might uh, you know, might be uh, this might be a bit more high scoring of a series than the others in this uh, between these two districts. And you got a Keller team that is no stranger to making deep playoff runs. They've been four rounds deep, three of the last four years. Another matchup that is incredibly overqualified for its first round designation. Yep. Um, let's see. Let's round this out with a look at uh, Flower Mound and Denton Geyer. The, yeah. the Jaguars who missed the playoffs for the first time in their history last year. Um, they are back and back with a vengeance. They finish as the two seed. They technically share the district title with Marcus, but you know, for the sake of seeding, they will be the two seed. And they draw Denton Geyer. Yeah, and they draw Denton Geyer because, um, you know, as I alluded to earlier, Marcus got them in a pair of 2-1 games, a couple of really tight games that I think are going to be indicative of, you know, how this entire postseason matchup goes. But, um, man, I mean, it feels like we're repeating ourselves, but it's another team where, I mean, you look at Denton Geyer, the the three seed, I mean, they're Denton Geyer. They're good every single year. They were 10-4 and four in district, um, you know, came up just short against, you know, kind of another seeding scenario where Keller gets the two seed, but... You know, you're not playing any normal three or four seeds in any of these matchups. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for Flower Mound, um, it's it's going to be interesting because, you know, we haven't even brought up the weather yet. But, yeah. but these, these three-game series are already jumping all over the place. This one was originally supposed to be um, Game 1 Thursday at Flower Mound, Game 2 at Geyer, uh, both at 7.30, Game 3 at, at Irving MacArthur. They've now moved Game 3 to DBU Saturday. I've also heard that if it starts to rain Thursday or Friday, they might move those to Allen if they can get them in over there. Wow. So, I mean, there's it's 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 another point of contention for these teams to, to have to deal with as far as just like when are we going to play? Where are we going to play? When is the game going to start? Are we going to sit around for two hours and then still try to get it in? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but for Flower Mound, it's it's going to be a, a, a tall order. Um, you know, like I said, it's it's Denton Geyer. I mean, you you think these two three matchups are already going to be the close ones, and then you look at you know a, a team like Flower Mound and a team like Denton Geyer. Um, and and what they both have, it, it seems like Flower Mound kind of runs out a little bit of a one-two punch with, uh, I believe their names are Austin Wallace and Cam Brown. If I'm doing my best, JT, here, I think I think those are the two guys that they usually run out. So I'm sure they feel good about their arms, but a little bit up and down coming into the postseason. So we'll see how they react because I mean those those games against Marcus weren't that long ago, right at the beginning of April. Um, 
they beat Capel 5-3 and 4-3 in a couple of really tight games. Uh, so those were huge. That was a big rebound. you know. But then they lose to Byron Nelson in a non-district game, um, get to beat up on Irvin MacArthur, and then lose to Colleyville Heritage in a non-district game, kind of a tune-up for the postseason. Yeah. And, and no shame in that. I mean, Colleyville Heritage is, is, is a fantastic 5A team that we'll talk about later uh, as one of our teams avoided, avoided that fate uh, in the first round. But, yeah, I mean, it's just another one of those series where how do you predict that? You know, it's I, I see it going three games probably. I see them being all tight. I see it coming down to execution. Um, you know, that's that's kind of the name of the game in the postseason. Are, are your arms going to show up? Uh, are you going to get the timely hit? That's kind of a, you know, it's 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 what's going to make the difference. So, man, this is, I, I wish I were JT almost this week because um, we have, you know, plenty of our own games to cover and, and Plano and softball and everything else. But, man, all of these series are going to be fantastic. Uh, you know, we've talked about all these heavyweight programs between these two districts. Brian, you've got a heavyweight program of your own that's embarking on what they uh, what they hope is a uh, is a nice and fortuitous and promising playoff run. Uh, Prosper, Prosper's out in Region One Six A. We will get to Region Two Six A in earnest in just a bit. But Brian, well, we've got you here. Let's talk a little Prosper because of all the teams that we cover in Six A, that's one of the uh, on the short list of programs that could seriously do some damage in the playoffs. Yeah, I gotta say something on this. Podcast, I know, man. You're right? just sitting here, just you're collecting cobwebs and stuff. And so, uh, I mean, I'm sorry to break it to you. I know y'all just mentioned these, you know, awesome matchups in the first round, but Prosper doesn't have that marquee matchup no. in the first round. No offense, Lakeview Centennial, uh, but they, it's you know the classic one versus four. Stranger team. things have happened, but and it is a one game series. Ah. Yeah. So. Woo. You know, it's Thursday night at McKinney North, if the weather permits. Mm-hmm. Uh, Just where Lakeview wants them. But Lakeview has not played a team like Prosper. The closest no. thing to that is maybe Saxe, and Prosper beat Saxe earlier yeah, in the year. Saxe is a quality um, team for sure. But they're a quality Prosper's, team, but they're not Prosper. Prosper's a cut above for sure. And, and Prosper uh, just had a little tune-up game against South Lake, and I was looking on Game Changer because Prosper's real secretive with their stats. <laughs> Rick Carpenter has always been secretive with his stats. So, you know, so a lot of the district games, they'll have their last names, but against South Lake, it's the Prosper batting order is player A, player B, player C, <laughs> player D. And then the pitcher, this was, I, I got to say this, this is funny. South Lake, I guess whoever ran the South Lake uh, game changer called Prosper's pitcher Meatball Man. Oh, no. And said he only pitched one inning. So, what does that mean? Uh, maybe yeah, he, I guess he was serving uh, some, uh, serving it some was, meatballs it was a out fi- there. It was a five to one game. It was two hits. Yeah, I mean yeah. South Lake. Yeah. But you, you can't look too much into that game. South Lake rolled out, you know, like twelve batters in this game. But uh, you know, they're the district champs. You know, they they swept Allen. They beat Jesuit once. You know, they're 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 riding high right now. They had a, a brutal non-district schedule where they play teams like Byron Nelson and Coppell, teams like that. You know, Lakeview. They're just they're just not ready. To, to face a team like that, uh, albeit a one-game series, stranger things have happened. But you know, unless lightning strikes on this field, and you know, oh, I don't, I don't know, not not on a player, but like you know, <laughs> hopefully add, not. Add some magic yeah. to Lakeview. I, I just don't see. Uh, and an upset happening in this one. The big thing with Prosper is going to be, um, you know, just by uh, the stars aligning, I was able to see them twice within the past couple of weeks. Saw them against Allen, saw them against Plano. Um, and talking with head coach Rick Carpenter afterwards, we, we know what Prosper has um, as far as their one-two punch goes. Caleb mm-hmm. Putnam, Jake Cosner was as strong a one-two punch as you could find in District 96A. But it's the playoffs, and there is such a thing as a Game 3, and it makes sense that at some point in time, Prosper might be tasked with playing that do-or-die game and developing that third Third arm has kind of been a you know kind of a, a a subplot for them, the one that's kind of been downplayed a bit, just because you know you have guys like Putnam and Cosner that are going six, seven innings every time yeah. out. So you yep. just haven't had and much time within that district schedule to really develop a third arm for the postseason. And that's something that Carpenter was like, okay, we really kind of need to start doing this, just because at some point, like it just is only natural, especially in Region Two, as we'll get to later on. Region Two, once you get past those first couple rounds, is an absolute bloodbath, and it makes sense that at some point you might be called upon to. Look beyond, you know, your uh, your one and two, and um, yeah, I mean, right now, who is it? Uh, you know, Jack Warren, I guess, has been their top yeah. reliever or whatnot. So maybe on paper, he's the one that gets the call for that third game. But I mean, who? How many innings did he even get to throw in district play? Or I mean, it's it, I, we were talking about this off air, Brian, but you know, Rick Carpenter in the past, I believe, against Forney last year, even um, yeah. has employed kind of the the staggered aces strategy, where maybe you throw one in game one. Uh, if you get the victory, you throw 
your number three mm-hmm. or your staff or whatever you have in game two and try to sneak one. And then in game three, if it gets that far, you still have Cosner or you still have another arm. So I don't know if he'll do that again this year. It didn't exactly work out against Forney, not for lack of planning. They had it set up. Forney just was the better team. But, you know, maybe that's something that they employ again this year. We'll yeah, I mean, they did exactly that because, you know, Forney had those two studs that mm-hmm. were when, you know, went to and one of them got drafted by the Rangers, mm-hmm. and they faced them in games one and two, and they, they beat Engel. Mack Engel, the, the kid that got drafted by the Rangers, and they had Braden Carmichael ready for game three. Is just Forney's, you know, number three was just <laughs> just as good pretty much as their, their ones and twos. Uh, I mean, I don't know if they'll employ that same strategy, but yeah, Jack Warren, uh, you'd think would be that third guy. Cordell yeah. Spencer, he saw uh, three, he pitched three innings against Plano in the district finale when they shut Plano out three yep. nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have some guys that can. It go. might be this a lot is... of that too. You may not have a number three. You may start somebody. Yeah, that yeah we need. We want. We want two, three, three innings, innings at a time. time. Yeah, a little long reliever out of you. Yeah. 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 yeah, Prosper has guys that can go. They have guys that can, you know, pitch multiple innings. They don't have a bunch of Caleb Putnam's, uh, but, but Jake does. Yeah. But Jake Cosner, he's been doing this for a while. They have guys uh, that can go in that bullpen, and that's that's the strength of this Prosper team. They they they're deep in the pitching staff. And they play great defense. Yeah, we'll f- be focusing not just on Prosper, but uh, several other teams in Region 2-6A, from Allen to McKinney Boyd to Rowlett and Saxe, um, all that good stuff. And we will uh, preview the remainder of Region 2, do a quick line change, and pick things up in just a moment. And we continue our uh, high school baseball playoff preview with a look at Region 2-6A. Uh, for this portion of the podcast, we did a quick line change. we got Devin Hassan and Kendrick Johnson in to talk, uh, yeah, to talk some, I guess, um, uh, we can start with some 9-6A versus 10-6A, a natural, uh, a natural jumping point. We've got uh, the latest in the, in the bi-district, I guess the last batch of bi-district matchups yeah. the, uh, on the school year between these two districts. We have uh, Allen versus Naaman Forest, Jesuit versus Saxe, Prosper versus Lakeview Centennial. But let's start with one that I know you guys each have a uh, each have a dog in the fight for, and that is Rowlett versus McKinney Boyd. Uh, let's see, uh, McKinney Boyd, which finished as the three seed out of District Nine Six A, going up against the District Ten Six A runners up, uh, Rowlett. Um, I don't know. You guys can just uh, kind of take it from here, uh, Kendrick. I guess talk about just kind of from your vantage point. Just what are you looking for on Boyd's end of the uh, equation in this series? Uh, Boyd has a knack for winning close games. They won four or five games by one and, and two and um, two runs. I've left up there five and two. Okay. And over the over the stretch, and they come in winning five out of the last six. The key thing that's gonna think gonna switch the series is their ace Jack Hagen did not pitch a game as a starter until the final game of the year. So you got somebody you kind of had. I won't say stashed away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got arm injuries, um, issues. But you got somebody with that talent that he was clutch last year in the playoffs that helps you out. And then they already had Chad Brown, who's been outstanding. He'll probably get a superlative. And to me, one of the most electrifying players in the area. Mm-hmm. And see Tyler Collins play, it's like watching Kenny Lofton Jr., the guy can go. He can turn a game just by getting a walk, and next thing you know, he's on third base. So if it's a low-scoring game, I, I favor the Broncos because they find a way to win this year. Last year, they had problems closing games. This year was the opposite. They found a ways to win games. And they're kind of um, motivated from last year. They um, got shut down by, I want to say it was Ulysses uh, Trinity. Okay. Well, and you know they're, they're playing a team, a, a Rowlett team that is no stranger to close games themselves. I mean, this is a typical Rowlett team. Rowlett's made the playoffs. This is their 20th straight season to make the playoffs. 20th straight. Yeah, yeah. And, and if you if you kind of know, you know, just watching them in in recent years, it's it's pitching and defense. They're not gonna. They've had a couple teams that could really bash, mm-hmm. but for the most part, this team relies on pitching and defense, and, and therefore they're in a lot of close games, similar to McKinney Boyd. Like they marry it's, each it's, other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, in in terms of you know, there is a couple teams, you know, at the bottom of that district in Sensex A where you get the, uh, you know, the 13 to 1, 16 to 1, let's call it call it after four innings type things. But for the most part, Rowlett's games are 3 to 2, you know, 5 3, uh, right in that range. I mean, they have an outstanding uh, ace in Braden Ferry, who is 9 0 on the season with a 0.45 ERA. Uh, he kind of set the tone from the start. He had no hitters in his first two starts of the season, just kind of set the tone. Uh, Cole Maxey, um, has been as he's he's been out the last couple of weeks. Um, I'll know more when I talk to Coach Paul Carmen later on this afternoon about his availability. But he gives him comment. He's a lefty. He gives him a different look. Uh, he has experience uh, here. Kay Ditton has got the call. He was kind of their closer at times this season. 
Um, and Ethan Green as well um, has been used on the mound, uh, mostly out of the bullpen. But, uh, you know, four very capable arms, uh, a bona fide ace and Braden Ferry. And, again, a, a, a lineup that's opportunistic. You know, Hudson Parker and Nick Waite do a good job setting the table. Ethan Green was the district offensive player of the year last year, hitting out of that three-hole. Uh, Austin Airy, Elijah San Juan uh, have given them some power in the middle of the lineup. And then they've had other guys step up at the bottom of the lineup, uh, you guys like Jackson Kirkhoff and, and Josh Fusil. Um, so, I you know, it's the defense is going to be there. I believe the pitching is going to be there. Uh, I think it's a, a kind of a matter of what team gets hot. You know, this yeah. week. I know um, Boyd has a tendency to get the big inning that will put teams away. I'm pretty sure Matt knows that from me. And if you look at the box scores mm-hmm. from nine six a, it'll be like two two. They'll get five in the fifth, and it looked like it was a blowout when it really wasn't. They had that one big inning. So if they can get that that they built upon during district at times, they can make it happen. But like I said, they can. They're good at going at the three two route. Too so, <laughs> it's definitely going to be a war of attrition in this series. The uh, the series that'll be on my radar, at least, just because it's the only playoff team that I have. <laughs> <laughs> because Plano ISD got shut out of the playoffs for the first time since 2006, I want to say. Um, so yeah, I'll be uh, all eyes will be on Allen versus Naaman Forrest uh, for me, and for this um you know for this series, Allen's been uh, Allen finished second in the district, and they were um, I mean Allen had a really solid season. You know, once again, you know they won the district title the past two seasons. They were in position potentially. To do so heading into, I guess, the penultimate series of uh, District 96A play, and then old, uh, old Prosper got him with a uh, <laughs> with a sweep. But uh, hey, that's what Prosper will do. Um, so, nevertheless, though, Allen's still riding a pretty good share of momentum, though, as they embark on this playoff series against the Neiman Forest team that comes in, um, you know, a little bit up and down to close out the season. You know, they had losses, I guess, what, in four of their last seven, including a couple of the teams that were outside the playoff picture. I'm not really sure if it's like, because like in softball, you kind of could draw that line of demarcation from like, you know, Wiley and Saxe and then everybody else. I'm not sure, Devin, what your read is on 10-6-A. If there is that same yeah. sort of like separation between the haves and the have-nots or... There, there's a, there's, sweet. There, there's, a, there's a little bit. I'll, I'll go, ben Van Manen for Naaman Forrest is an excellent starter. Okay. I saw him twice this year. Um, he lost to Saxe. He beat uh, Rowlett in a game that went eight innings. Um, but he's going to give him a, a legit chance to win that first game. Okay. Their depth, their pitching depth falls off. Uh, but they can also hit the ball. Uh, Nate Van Manen is Ben's obviously brother. And they hit there in that middle of that lineup, and that that's, that top six in that order has got some pop. I mean, they're certainly the underdogs, and yeah. you just see by by their resume. And again, they they do have a fall off um, from that first starter to the second starter. But you know, Naaman Forrest isn't just going to roll down. They're they've kind of kind of got a perennial playoff team tradition of their own over there, mm-hmm. so. You mentioned just pitching, and that's going to kind of be what's what's at least on my radar how Allen approaches this series because it's just been monitoring just kind of the the way that their pitching has evolved throughout the course of the district schedule. You look at just it's pretty much like half and half. So over the course of the first half of district play, they had a starter throw at least five innings in all of their first seven district ball games, and then over the last seven ball games, that only happened twice. <laughs> so I mean, it's I mean, it wasn't really a uh, they use a collection of a lot of the same names. I mean, the name that obviously is, you know, first and foremost is Brett Tanksley. He was an all-district first-team selection last year as a, uh, as a freshman. He's going to be an all-district first-teamer most likely again this year as a sophomore. Um, you know, he's been a rock most of the way. His He has got hit, you know, hit a little bit these last two outings against, uh, you know, Plano West and against Prosper. Um, but then, you know, finding that second starter was, it was always kind of the big question mark for this Allen team all season long. It looked like early on that they had something with, uh, with Sean McVitie and then they've um, they've kind of had to go to more of kind of a, a committee approach, you know, with the um, you know in the in the non Tanksley start during the week. Now they did get something, and this you know, to kind of see if you're just looking to I guess a potential hot hand for this series. Nate Wadka shut out Plano West in the first matchup of their uh, of their series last week. One one zero complete game shutout. The first pitcher not named Tanksley to do so in the <laughs> in district play. So hey, you know what? If that's a pitcher who's getting hot at the right time, perhaps he gets the uh, you know he gets the uh, the start. You know, in either game one or game two of the series, but beyond that, I mean, they've thrown uh, over the second half of district play a total of 21 innings in relief. So guys like, you know, Jake Flowers, uh, you know, Nick Brackney, um, you know, Jake Good, Sean McVitie has been used as a reliever now. I mean, they've got plenty of guys that, you know, it's not a team that's going to, you know, 
be throwing guys out there that have no clue what they're doing because you do see some teams like uh, like Prosper as good as Prosper was um, you know that was kind of something that they were kind of concerned with is like developing that third that third arm to go to just because yeah. they're uh, you know their aces Caleb Putnam and Jake Cosner through complete games just about every time out whereas you have a team like Allen which you know granted they've had to go to their bullpen a bit more um, but those guys have all got a ton of reps under their belt so it'll be interesting to see how that kind of pans out for the series get those game threes uh, I, I, I didn't think about that yet yeah I've, I've seen I've covered a team that lost game one in every series and won every series <laughs> <laughs> and then as far as uh, Allen's offense goes you know they did I mean they did keep a pretty uh, pretty similar lineup most of the way but they did make a change at least um, for that Plano West series with you know with moving you know Sam Haywood up into the leadoff spot Evan Anderson up into the two hole and then uh, Joey Chrissy Grayson Colthar up their rocks three and four um, I don't know Allen's offense has been pretty consistent I don't really have a whole lot of concerns there and that lineup change resulted in you know eight runs scored one of their highest outputs in district play so at the very least um, some nice momentum for that offense after it looked like they kind of hit a little bit of a dry spell with only I want to say like three runs scored you know they only scored I want to say two runs in the Prosper series and then uh, one run in their first game against Plano West so maybe just uh, just a just to juice up the lineup a little bit more with the late season change but nevertheless yeah we'll see if Allen can uh, what it can do against Neiman Forest um, and then Devin you have Saxe going up against uh, against a mighty Jesuit yeah I mean, we <laughs> talked uh, we talked last week about uh, you know Jack Lynch you know as being you know our you know our uh, at least between me and Taylor Raglan our pick for MVP in this district and the guy who just when he's on the mound like they're just it's so tough to stop. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, but so uh, yeah, who knows when the uh, when the Rangers are going to throw him game one or game two? But nevertheless, just talk a bit about on the Saxy end of things, kind of how the Mustangs are looking right now. Well, you know, Saxy rolled um, through this district, uh, undefeated uh, district champions, first time to ever go undefeated through district in fourteen district games. They gave up fifteen runs total, wow. six shutouts. I mean, Chase Alford um, has a zero point five six ERA, Blaine Chapman zero point six zero, and the thing is that. Wasn't even supposed to be their best pitchers. Uh, David Gonzalez was the, the, the district pitcher of the year uh, last season, but uh, wasn't a hundred percent. So they basically kind of worked him in in a, re- in a relief role here as the season has gone on. So for these last you know five six games, uh, you'll see Alford or Chapman going four innings. Five innings, well, sometimes three, because the run rule is going to go into effect on some of those. <laughs> and you'll see David Gonzalez come on and pitch two innings, and he's up to twenty eight innings, innings on the season, two point two five ERA. Um, but you know that gives them three. Quali- if he's good enough to start, um, that they already have two proven starters. If David Gonzalez is 100% ready to go, which it looks like he is, just by the amount of work he's put in here the last couple weeks, that gives them three legitimate starters for a three-game series. So even if you aren't able to solve Jack Lynch, you still have two very good arms. And I think Saxy's going to be able to put runs on the board. I mean, this is a team that hit 314 as a group. Uh, Chase Alford, uh, you know, I talked about on the mound. Has hitting 429. He's got some power there. But you just go down their lineup. You know, Dylan Beauty, Drake Herrera, Chase Cromer, Ty Fairley, Trent Dean, Hunter Ingram, all hitting better than 300. And even their guys that aren't, like Cameron Cromer, Robert Hines, Mark Anzaldua, they're all hitting 290, 295. I mean, it's just a good hitting lineup from top to bottom. That uh, they play smart. They've got 75 stolen bases in 32 game in 32 games. So they put pressure uh, on the other team when they're on on base and. You know, again, I think this is a team that's capable of making a, a nice run. I mean, Jesuit's going to be a challenge. Mm-hmm. Jesuit's got a very proud um, oh, yeah. baseball tradition. And like you, you mentioned, you know, p- perhaps the 9-6 same most valuable player. Um, but, you know, this sexy has been here before. This is their 11th appearance in the last 13 years. Uh, I know one thing that they do have in their mind, they've ne- never made it past the area finals. And they've had some talented teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, though, may be their best team um, ever under head coach Chris Burrow over there. Uh, Got to take care of the first one first. It should be a big challenge, but I think this is a, a Saxe team that is certainly has the potential to uh, to go a couple of rounds. Yeah, Jesuit, a, um, just if you're looking at their record, district record of 9-5, and five, they went 6-1 and one in Jack Lynch starts and 3-4 and four in the non-Lynch starts. So, got to get that game <laughs> against... Prosper <laughs> being the one, I assume yes. that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I was saying, you said... Actually, no, no, I take that back. Allen was the one. Oh, okay. They, okay. They, they beat Prosper with Jack Lynch. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. That was Did, Prosper's first district they kind of came on towards the end, second half of the district. Uh, Jesuit? Jesuit. Um, I think they won four in a row. Did they need uh, to close out the regular yeah. season? Because I know when I when I was kind of looking at the field, you know, with a couple weeks left, Jesuit was right there in limbo. Mm-hmm. They were part of a, yeah, a multi-team they, they, battle, and, and then, then them and Boyd got into it for the, the third spot. 
Actually, eight straight games Jesuits won. But then again, that can kind of like that's just kind of the way the schedule yeah, broke. Yeah, like, yeah. Where, they, where they rounded out the, se- the season against Plano McKinney and Plano East. You know, the three, the bottom three teams or whatever in the district. So that can just be how no disrespect they, uh, to those programs. How the schedule breaks. <laughs> um, let's see. And then we have. Um, let's see. We can talk about eleven six A. We round this out. A look at a look at Mesquite Horn as they embark on their first round series. They draw Waco Midway. Waco and Midway. Yeah, it's all order. Yeah, all that. A, a Waco Midway team that I guess surged down the stretch to catch Belton um, yeah. for that district title. Um, you know, Horn will be battle tested. I mean, they mm-hmm. play in a very good district with you know Rockwall Heath and with Rockwall mm-hmm. uh, and with Tyler Lee and. Um, Horn was in a, in a battle toward the end of the season. Uh, had a, I guess, a must-win series against uh, North Mesquite. Mm-hmm. They kind of put them over the hump, and then they split with Tyler Lee uh, last week. But you know, Shea Ellis is one of those guys that anytime you hand him the ball on the mound, uh, he's going to give you a chance to win. He's a tough kid. He's a battler. Um, he's going to keep you in the game. Uh, they've gotten some outstanding stars from Luke Guerra in recent weeks. Uh, Chris Rendon is another guy who can can get him in a pitch. Um, I mean, let's see how their lineup fares. Uh, Braylon Monroe's done an outstanding job at the top of the lineup. And other guys, you know, Jason Kondikoff or Josh Edling, uh, Ryan Rodriguez, have kind of stepped up during the course of the year. Shea Ellis is also their best hitter. I mean, he's, he's kind of the focal point. And uh, last year, I believe, they just pitched around and they just said, you know, I'm not even going to bother with this. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's going to they're the underdog. They're the four seed. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, going up against a very, very good Waco Midway team uh, that I believe went 15-1. and one. In that day. and that's a solid district down there, that 126A. So it's it's kind of a similar thing to what we talked about with uh, with the Mesquite ISD schools and softball. Mm-hmm. Is 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 there an underdog? But um, you know, it's 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 a three game set. I thought they might try to go one game. Maybe they did, and they just weren't able to work things out <laughs> with the coin flip, um, like Lakeview and Prosper. One of those that got fortunate enough to uh, to hit that one, you know, get, get that one game playoff. But uh, you know, we'll see. This is a group that was there last year. They got they have some experience, and um, again, if they can get out there and, and get up to a good start, I think is the biggest thing for them. Because you know, sometimes when these you know in these series, when you know that you're the underdog and you get off, and all of a sudden it's six nothing in the second inning, it just snowballs, and it's, yeah. the series is essentially over. So I think getting off to a good start um, Thursday at in Cleburne is going to be big for Horn. Yeah, Waco Midway, one of several out of area teams that are that are state ranked among Region Two. Region Two, just if you're going off of just sheer rankings, take for what you will, but Region 2 looks like it's going to be an absolute gauntlet. Yeah. <laughs> there are, I believe, uh, just going off the uh, the rankings at TXHighSchoolBaseball.com, 11 of the top 20 teams in 6A are in Region 2, yeah. <laughs> including number 1 Woodlands and number 2 Cy Ranch. So, uh, good luck with all that. Good luck with all that. Yeah. Indeed, yeah. And there's there's enough hurdles to, to clear before they, even any of our teams even get to that level oh, yeah. of where they have to run into them. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, should be uh, should be some very very spirited baseball over these next uh, these next couple weeks in our coverage area. But obviously, still uh, same to be said though for the happenings on Class Five A. So yeah, we'll do another quick line change and discuss all of um, everything in, uh, in that end of the uh, of the playoff bracket in just a moment. And let's close the book on a good old 6A, and let's start talking some 5A action in our high school baseball playoff preview. Uh, we got Taylor and uh, Brian back for this part as we focus on uh, Little Elm and Lake Dallas, our two playoff-bound programs out of District 8 5A. We'll even throw a bone. We'll give you a little preview of some of the Region 2 5A action with some talk on Carrollton Farmers Branch ISD in a bit. But for the meantime, Little Elm and Lake Dallas, guys. Um, Little Elm, bound for the playoffs, they draw Fort Worth Brewer, and then Lake Dallas gets to renew an old district rivalry. They mm-hmm. get Grapevine. Um, you know, these two teams met in the playoffs uh, you know, just a few years ago in 2016. Uh, it was Grapevine that squashed Lake Dallas's second deepest playoff run in program history. Uh, one of the cooler playoff runs that I've covered when that team just caught fire just out of nowhere and went uh, to the regional finals. Um, nevertheless, yeah, they hook back up uh, three years later in the first round. So, uh, Taylor, what is your read on the Falcons heading into this first round? Series. Well, the big thing, I alluded to it earlier in the podcast when we were talking about 6A, is that they avoided Colville Heritage. <laughs> that's that's goal number one because they, um, you know, they, they entered the last week of, of district play um, off a win over Denton, which was a, you know, a pretty good win for the program. They come into a, a series with Denton Ryan, um, lose on Tuesday, and it sets up a scenario where Ryan's 6-5, and five, they're 5-6. Five and six. Um, There were some other 5-6 and six programs in the district, so they weren't sure how everything was going to shake out, but but goal number one was we have to go win 
Friday and make sure we get six and six, and we'll worry about everything else later. So they do. They go out and beat Denton Ryan eight to one. Um, it sets up a playing game that next Saturday. So they ended up playing Ryan three games in a row, um, and Lake Dallas is absolutely mauled Denton Ryan eleven to nothing. Um, you know, a little bit like the the contest not to have to play South Lake Carroll mm-hmm. in the in the five six A and six six A matchup. Um, this was to avoid having to play seven five A fourteen and O Colleyville Heritage, uh, who I also alluded to earlier, is beating Flower Mound and it, man, it's that's a, a fantastic program thirty and two on the year, uh, something crazy like that. So definitely not who you want to be your dance partner in, in the opening round of the playoffs. That's not how you want to get your run started. So um, then Ryan falls to fourth and, and earns them, but Lake Dallas. They finally figured it out late. It was almost like, you know, early in the season, um, you know, they were getting the timely hit. They were playing well. Ryan Deppersmith is the unquestioned leader of that team. Every time they run him out to the mound, um, you know, he competes really well, usually goes at least six or seven, um, had a lot of wins in district play. Uh, he leads off the order. So he's he's obviously the, the spearhead and, and kind of the guy that everybody looks to, um, you know, is, is that athletics program in general. But, you know, it's it's uh, he's a huge part of the baseball effort, too. But um, they they had a little bit of a lull in, in district play. They stopped kind of getting that, that timely hit. They went into their bye week trying to find it. They still really couldn't get their <laughs> that timely hit. Uh, they lost a couple games um, in their district bye week. But then finally... It clicked with that win over Denton because they had uh, it was one one in the bottom of the six and and they they pinch hit. Um, gosh, I, th- I think his name is Will Hernice is how you say it. Um, I covered that game, but I can't for the life of me remember how you pronounce his last name. I think that's right. Um, Will, sorry about that, but he comes up with a huge infield single um, to to drive in the run, the winning run that that would give the the Falcons the two one win over Denton. And it seemed like that finally kind of like. It, all it takes sometimes is one little dinky hit like that. It wasn't a home run. It wasn't a double in the gap. It wasn't a screamer down the line. It was this this infield hit to the shortstop that finally kind of allowed them to breathe and say, like, we can get the timely hit. We can do this. We remember how to do this. So, you know, heading into the playoffs, they, they beat Den Ryan twice, obviously, so they're on a little bit of a roll that um, way as far as momentum goes. So... It's going to come down, I think, in a three-game series to what they can do in the game that Ryan Deppersmith pitches yeah. because, you know, they, they have to win that game. They have to take advantage of that arm. They have to take advantage of the opportunity that he will give them to win because every game he starts, they have a chance to win the baseball game. So they have to win that one, and then, you know, in one of those other two, you have to have the bats show up, and you have to have the timely hit. So I think it's certainly possible, but, you know, Grapevine, 10-4, and four, um, second place in 7-5A, Really, really good program. Obviously, some history, so should be a fun one. But I think if if Debra Smith shows up and, and they win that game, and then the Lake Dallas Bats make an appearance later on in the series, I mean, who knows? That series will take place out in Rockwall. Game one mm-hmm. set for seven thirty Friday. Game two, eleven a.m. Saturday. Uh, game three will follow game two if necessary. Brian Little Elm, they draw. What was it? Fort Worth Brewers. That what I said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Let's uh, size up those Lobos right now, man. How are you feeling about them heading into this series mm-hmm. against Brewer? Back in the playoffs for the third year in a row. Mm-hmm. Coach Matt Harbin, three years, three playoff appearances. Pretty consistent. Uh, the year before that, they hadn't made the playoffs in like 15 years. So wow. Harbin doing a great job at Little Elm. Uh, you know, it, they're coming off of a, a, a district win over, over Northwest. Um but they, they had a little tune-up game against Prosper. Now everyone's going to lose to Prosper. But what I noticed in that game is Logan Kohler saw some significant uh, pitches on the mound. He pitched three and a third, mm-hmm. didn't give up an earned run uh, against Prosper. And I noticed in a lot of their district games, they haven't been really throwing them uh, so much. And so, you know, I'm thinking maybe they're saving them for a little little playoff action. I don't know. I haven't talked to Harbin. I, this is just a, a thought. Maybe I'm hoping to see that, you know, because this is a three-game series. I know some of the series we've talked about are just one game. Uh, but they take on Brewer. They're another one of those weird schedules where they play game one on Thursday night, and then game two is Saturday at noon, and then game three if necessary. And all right of these after. come with maybes. <laughs> maybes yeah, who because knows of the weather. Who knows you know. what's going to happen. Uh, but they have an ace this year that's kind of come out of nowhere in Derek Lewis. And he's, it seems like every every game he pitches in, he goes five, six, seven innings, mm-hmm. and they they win. You know, he's 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 been that, that ace on the mound. Jorge Aldrete, you know, they have he's an all-state first baseman, and he's their number two. Mm-hmm. And so he's he, he'll be ready to go in another game. Logan Kohler, as I just mentioned, he's going to Oklahoma. Shout out to your Sooners. That's right. Uh, and, you know, he's he's their best hitter. He's, you know, he, he can come in as their closer. He can come in as a starter. He's so versatile. Great third baseman, and they've been doing this all without 
Frainer Chavez. If you remember his older brother, Rainier, pretty much of the same first name. Um, Coach Harbin told me that you know his older brother was the best player he's ever coached, uh, at least at Little Elm. Uh, but yeah, his younger brother came in last year as a freshman, was phenomenal, got hurt, uh, and then this year he's been dealing some, with some injuries as well. So that, he would maybe be their one of their top three players if he was in the lineup. But uh, they've still had some other guys step up, and when you have Logan Kohler and, and, and an ace like Derek Lewis and and a handful of other these other guys have stepped up. You know, anything can happen in this first round series, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm predicting a, a little um first round win. Okay, let's see. Let's um, we'll get to Region Two Five A in just a sec. Let's quickly touch on though a couple schools that are going to be in that portion of the bracket. Carrollton Farmers Branch ISD has two playoff teams. This year. Two, count them two. Uh, let's see. R.L. Turner and Newman Smith both 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 bound for the postseason. Uh, and these two teams they tied for second place in District Eleven Five A at ten and four. So how do you break that tie? Well, you know what? We're going to play. Seeding game. So you got some CFB on CFB crime. Uh, let's see, you had Newman Smith and R.L. Turner squaring off over the weekend for the rights to that number two seed, and Newman Smith left no doubt about it. They beat him 10 to 4. It's kind of about how it worked because R.L. Um, you know, Turner and Newman Smith, they played each other in the regular season finale in a game that uh, R.L. Turner won that one, 6 to 5. Despite despite trailing at 1.5-0 after two innings in that game, they scored six unanswered runs. So you got to think maybe just from a sheer like emotional standpoint, that might do a little something to mm-hmm. Newman Smith having let a game like that slip away. Um, and you look at kind of how R.L. Turner paved that victory. Um, I mean, the top four in their order just came through in uh, in spades in that one. You know, Lorenzo Martinez, Garrett Chandler, Ryan Benet, Benet, I don't, sorry if I, I'm, <laughs> I, I said I pronounced it two different ways, so one of them was the wrong one, obviously. Um, you know, th- those three players had two hits in that game. Um, you had to pace a, a 6-5 victory for R.L. Turner. Um, that momentum proved short-lived, though. You know, they turn right around on Saturday and play a game with seating ramifications and Newman Smith rides a seven-run sixth inning to a uh, to a 10-4 victory. You know, they got 13 hits. Their bats really, really woke up in that one. And um, again, lots of uh, you know multi-hit games for guys like you know Christian Peralta, uh, Jonathan Boyer, uh, Boyer, um, Dustin Longman, Cade Ortiz, um, and then uh, you know Jared Bolden had five RBIs in that game. <laughs> so nevertheless, yes, a, a huge bounce-back performance from Newman Smith. So they get the rights to the uh, to the two seed, and that means. A first-round matchup with uh, with Seagaville. You know, Newman Smith. They are in the playoffs for the first time since 2016. They are seeking their just their second playoff win since 2010. So it's been a little while since Newman Smith been able to string together much of consistency in the playoffs. Um, same applies to Seagaville, though. They're seeking their first playoff win since 2008. So something's got to give. Uh, for R.L. Turner, their draw is um, is Adamson. And um, with these two, these are programs which I mean, somebody's. Streak of futility is going to get snapped yep. this uh, this weekend because you look at R.L. Turner, R.L. Turner, which made the playoffs for the first time in 30 years. Wow. So hey, shout out to the Lions for being the ones to snap that drought. Very very cool moment for that program getting back into the postseason. Um, they uh, again, as far as our records can tell, cannot recall the last time they had a playoff win. No playoff archive site that I've been able to go to has any record of them having won a playoff game within you know I guess you know prior to those 30 years. Um, so nevertheless. So RL Turner getting a chance to make a little bit of history. They do so against an Adamson team that has been a little bit more consistent as far as just qualifying for the playoffs yeah. goes. But they have only one playoff win since at least 1991. Yeah. So another team that has been you know through its own you know its own hardships. Interesting in the first thing round. about that series too. I'm looking at the RL Turner Twitter feed. It looks like you're going to get um, two of those games at Irving MacArthur and one at RL Turner. Okay. So so they get the one home game, game two, squeezed in the middle. Looks like the other two at MacArthur. So, you know, Adamson somehow doesn't get a home game. I don't know if they flipped for game two and, and decided two would be neutral. I don't know what um, the case was for, for how they decided. But, you know, if you're if you're looking at trying to win your first playoff series and uh, in your first appearance since 30 years, it, it's a pretty good start to have the one home game of the series. So, um, you know, again, weather permitting with all of this, there's a huge caveat and a literal rain cloud hanging over over every single one of these series, For but the next two weeks, yeah, that could be uh, that could be important for them. I mean, you have Adamson, which entered last season as a district champion. They won their district last mm-hmm. year, but they got bounced by a four seed in the first round of the playoffs. So maybe not the most far fetched of, uh, of outcomes for RL Turner this weekend as they draw Adamson in seeking their first playoff win in quite a long time. Um, you know, still a lot else as far as reaching two five A goes. 
tons of Frisco schools. You got McKinney North, uh, Mesquite Poteet, all that good stuff. And we will close out the podcast with one more line change and talk about the rest of Region 2 5A in just a moment. All right, and we're back to round things out with uh, 5A Region 2. This is the 5A Region 2 squad. I think we've yeah. established we're the we're the, the, the final three for for that region there. And, you know, deservingly so, I have the Frisco District. You uh, have Mesquite Poteet uh, kick in here in the first round of the playoffs. And then, as always, McKinney North making the playoffs and everything. Everything. And everything, literally. Eight for eight back in sports pops to that program. Check out for my future. It's going to be on the McKinney North program this week in Sunday edition. Well, they have a tough task. Facing one of the hottest teams uh, in District 95A, they're taking on Frisco Heritage. Is it me? Is this like the same thing for softball? It, it is. <laughs> it is. They, they faced the you know the hottest team, Lone Star, last week coming in. That was a good series. It's a good series. It went the distance. It went through. You were at two North, of those games. Yeah, North got the job done. Five zero in a pivotal game um, three after losing five zero. In a crucial yeah. game, <laughs> game two. So it's one of those things. Yeah. But with this, then the, the depths of these rosters will be tested. Boy has a, I mean, boy, North has a big ace in Isaiah Rhodes. He's going to Southern Miss. He's been solid all year. I'd be shocked if he doesn't get uh, superlative for um, all district. But North's offense is going to be the key. The Bulldogs can hit the ball, but sometimes it go, it comes and goes. But they have good bets mm-hmm. like Ezra Gore. They got Cam Constantine. Quarterback of the football team. Cam Constantine still playing. Yeah, he, 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 he's he been there for him. He, he only um, bat though because he had um, offseason shoulder surgery, so he's, oh, so he's not behind. The he's not catching. He's not catching. But you got a D one player of that caliber mm-hmm. on your roster. That's going to help you out. Well, and then they got um, my guy Shaman Sore, very clutch hit. They have a they're top to bottom. They're one of those teams that you might have them down. You might be one zero and they're trailing in the fifth inning, and they get six seven runs, and boom, they got you. Okay, so they have that capability of putting up a monster inning. Well, they'll be facing in either game one or game two uh, another Division One pitcher that Heritage has. They saw that well. in that district, though. There's a couple in that district um, with the Plano, um, Plano, the Wiley Easts and uh, mm-hmm. Denison's had a couple of D1ers. They beat them both. So, Well, this D1 player that I'm referring to is Evan Vanek of Heritage. He's going to Texas A&M. Uh, he missed you know, the first, a little more than the first half of district play. That's why Heritage struggled. Heritage started district play 0-4. They started the year 2-15. and what they wow. but he can't pitch every game though. So he can't. He I, can't. I, but they'll see that, that, that death kind of shaky. Then they'll they'll see him there. But another one of the pitchers that they're going to see most likely is a is a player named Jacob Hood. He pitched a, a complete game shutout to clinch a playoff berth last Friday against Frisco Liberty. That game was one nothing. Um, uh, last week, like I said, to clinch clinch a spot in the postseason, and he struck out 13 batters in that game, and he's not even their ace. But Evan Vanek, he's back. Uh, he missed, like I said, he missed the first half of the season. Since he's been back, he's three and zero. That com- that uh, includes a complete game victory against Wakeland, the district champion. They only lost two games all year, and one of those losses was to this Frisco Heritage team that has been red hot down the stretch. They've closed out district play eight and one in its last nine games. I don't know if this is a team that you know that McKinney North wants to face here hey, in this first uh, round. I remiss not to add Zach Garza. He's been lights out. He's been the um, the Friday pitcher. He's one of those guys that you watch him. It's like, oh, he don't be doing nothing, but he get people out, so he doing something. He's constantly getting outs. He don't have nothing flashy about his game. He just solid, and more importantly, he wins games. Well, there you go. That's the name of the game right yeah. there. Game three, if this series goes three, which it sounds like it's got that sniff of, um, I don't know who, who they're going to throw out. I have a clue. I think that, but if I'm leading somewhere, I'm leading towards North. Simple fact, I think they have a deeper roster. They weren't going to leave no 13 yet. My man, Coach Gaywood, would be putting up with that. <laughs> <laughs> if that does indeed go to a game three, that'll be played. So they lost, two, so they lost 13 out of, out of 15 games. To start the year. Uh, no, he yeah, but, but that, I, I actually just talked to Coach Longacre earlier this morning, and you know he, he says you know with the, the tournament games and then having to you know get things going so quick with the big district, you get district play going, you don't have – and they like I said, they had injuries to their ace and mm-hmm. other guys to start the year. It's, it's hard to get going. And a lot of these games were close 
close losses. You know, they they lost to they played McKinney North early in a tournament game, and that was on a Saturday though. So you're throwing out different pitchers and different players that you so basically not they feel see. like yeah we might be a four seed, but we really a one or two. That's well, what, not a one or two. That's what they. I'm talking about where they coming up in. They're never not your. They're not a traditional four seed. Just to say, just like Frisco Lone Star softball, who played McKinney North, is a red, <laughs> it's a, another situation where it's a district champ facing a team that's red hot that has wins over programs like Lone Star, Reedy, and Wakeland. All three of those teams made the playoffs as well uh, in Frisco. But before I dive into those teams, Devin, Mesquite Poteet. Poteet. They're, they're in the playoffs. Well, back back for the first time in three years. Okay. Um, this is a, a, an interesting Poteet team. I, I think, you know, last year it was just Murphy's Law for them in the first part of the district. You know, whatever could go wrong mm-hmm. did go wrong. <laughs> they had a number of one-run losses. I mean, they were basically mm-hmm. out of the playoff hunts halfway through the district season just because they dug themselves such a hole. But they started to figure things out late in the year. They won five of their last six games. They returned a lot of those same guys. And uh, that's really kind of paid off uh, this season. I mean, they've been, you know, Gilbert De Los Santos and Stephen Fink and Jackson Huber have all proven to be capable starters. Uh, Justin Clark and Omar Omar Serna uh, coming out of the bullpen have been locked down. Uh, Their lineup... um, you know, they've got a little bit of pop in the middle with Stephen Fink and Coleman Camp and Jackson Huber. Uh, I think I mean, Adam Bird and, and George Colon Benitez have done a great job at the top, kind of setting the table. But here during this kind of stretch run, it's barely been the bottom of their order that's kind of come through mm. with some big hits as well. Uh, guys like Ryan Wolf and Michael Buckley and Malik Henderson and Mikel Henderson. Uh, these guys have started a lot of the rallies uh, that have helped put these teams away. You know, it's just not the toughest district uh, in the world coming through with, with Lancaster and Kaufman and West Mesquite and whatnot uh, in terms of overall depth, but Poteet did what it was supposed to, taking care of business. They went 10-2 and two in district. Um, should have beat Forney um, in, in the second part of their series. Mm-hmm. That scored, they, they lost 9-8 to eight in 12 innings, and Forney scored twice in the bottom of the seventh uh, to tie it. I mean, this we've talked before, this is not the same Forney team that made the state tournament a year ago yeah. uh, with those um, those D1 arms. But, yeah. you know, Poteet, um, it's, it's going to be interesting. They play Joshua uh, in the first rounds, the best of three set, all taking place at Irving High School. Um, but I think with the depth of their pitching staff and the way they've played down the stretch, uh, there, there's certainly potential there for them to, to go a couple rounds. All right, and so now I guess back to back to Frisco. <laughs> you know, Wakeland District champs, sixteen and two. No surprise. New head coach though with Daryl Preston, Coach Barry Rose now at Rockwall, another team uh, that's in the playoffs. Shout out to my man, Coach Rose. His wife is the principal at McKinney, assistant principal at McKinney High. I so did not I know, know about that. that. I know about that <laughs> roster. I did not so, know so, that. So yeah, props to them. I'm not, I've been keeping. I've been getting inside of what Rockwall. They're going to be a tough out. Yeah. So, yeah. The, so the other jackets. So you said Wakeland in sixty is. But is that a case where the record tells the story? Are they that much better than the rest of the Frisco schools, or do you give multiple Frisco schools chances of making a run here? Wakeland is undoubtedly the best team in this district. I've seen them uh, explode for double-digit runs, a double-digit lead over Reedy earlier this year, and that was at Reedy early in the district season. You know, they, like I said, one of their only losses came late. Uh, to that Red Hot Heritage team, that was, I believe, it was six to five when they had Evan Vanek on the mound as well. Uh, no, but Wakeland, they're good. They're good from top to bottom. They have the pitcher of the year from last year and Justin Karbowski. And they're they're just loaded. Loaded all the way around. They have the district MVP from last year and J.D. Gregson. Uh, the, it's from one to nine. Th- those guys can hit. And they are they are the class of that district. They take on Wiley East. That's a three-game series. Game one is Thursday at Wiley East. Game two at Wakeland. Game three, if needed, Wiley East has the advantage. They'll play that one at East. Well, have you not noticed... And since the 10-5A and the 9-5, this is the first year that every every one of these matchups, 10-5A, just I don't know how they're going to find a game and a physical <laughs> team or two get popped every time. Not every time, every time. Uh, and, and, and that kind of... <laughs> we got to trade. We're talking about boys and girls. We're not even talking about us, us as a gender. It sounds like you're bringing up Frisco Centennial softball, losing, getting swept by Denison, who Denison... They said, who, who's the bomb squad, who? Seriously, we, I mean, I've been talking about the bomb squad for weeks, and Denison, with the upset over them, they take on Lone Star. Lone Star might have uh, one of the best pitchers in the in the district as well, Ryan Bogus Jr. He's a Oklahoma State commit. I almost forget about him. There's so many aces. 
They play Denison, and that that uh, Denison has a, a D one. I don't know who who his name, but I've heard he he was the toughest pitcher in the district. Really? Well, yeah, I'm yeah, sure yeah. they'll be <laughs> Lone Star. Things with Oklahoma them. or something like that. Okay. Denison and Wiley East have a, a, a ace or two that are pretty. Well, pretty and, and that's that's the thing. That's about what I'm saying. Y'all, y'all sleeping on those guys. That's yeah. the thing about the baseball playoffs. Is I think most teams, especially there in the playoffs, have what they consider an ace. Some are more dominant than others. But if you can get that one with your ace, even if there's a fall off, once you get to game three. Three, anything can happen, happen in yeah, terms of because yeah. there's very few teams that see, have three, that number that be, be, three legitimate you know top yeah. you know starters. Way before I started covering North, they told me they beat Clayton Kershaw. They, they ended his career. They let him pitch. He throws a one hitter. They get be like eight zero. They beat them in game two and three. Bye bye. Wow, because all, that's all they had was yeah. Kershaw. Yeah. Huh. So that's that. Like 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 Devin says, we we we've been around for a while. We've seen this. <laughs> It's hey, all about momentum. Hey, Lone Star, they have some pitchers. They Dylan DeLeon, Ryan Bogus, like I mentioned. They have guys that can go uh, on the mound. Uh, Grant Hardy there as well. Should be interesting. But another team that has really good starting pitching, Reedy, they take on Lovejoy. Reedy uh, in softball took on Lovejoy last week in a one-game playoff. This one's going to be a three-game series. Reedy playing very well right now, back in the playoffs for the second year in a row. Uh, Jordan Viers, Kyle. Uh, Kyler Haney, uh, two good pitchers there. Haney, their ace. Uh, Josh Foskey, we know that name from mm-hmm. football, their starting quarterback. Uh, he's been their closer. He's coming off uh, a save in their district season finale where he struck out the side in that game. So you, when you have two quality starters and then a closer like that, a closer who can also you know pitch extended uh, extended innings, uh, it could be could be dangerous uh, for for a Lovejoy team. And then where does that leave us? That we touch on all of them. Heritage, McKinney North, Reedy Lovejoy, Lone Star Denison. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's just, Frisco. I'm, I, I get confused as all the Frisco teams. Independence, I got to give a shout out to Independence. They were, you know, playing lights out uh, all season long. Um, had a winning record the entire season and just kind of fell off a little bit. Their their schedule tightened up facing Lone Star and Wakeland and those type of teams in the second half of the district. They barely miss a playoff spot. And they go ten and eight, uh, but that's a look at the All Frisco District, who takes on McKinney North, Frisco Heritage, and a little bit of look at a uh, Poteet as they're in the playoffs for the first time uh, in three years. Make sure to stay tuned uh, later Thursday for our uh, second half podcast. What are we talking? Then we're talking a little NFL draft, we're talking a little softball, a little softball playoffs, NFL draft, a little, a little bit of everything. Yeah, switching things up <laughs> later in the week. So make sure to stay tuned for that and some flavor. Looking to hire top talent in your community. Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.